You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You gotta make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, I had the mic muted. How you doing? What's going on? How you doing, <laughs> play This is uh, Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the uh, Packernet Podcast Network. My wife's screaming that uh, I need to go up because she needs help. This is a great start. I will... I will. Uh, I will I will continue in a moment. If you'd like to call in, 608-501-0718. So there's that. Yeah. All right, I'm back from pulling a tick out of my kid's head. All right, so what are we doing? Oh, yeah, Packernet After Dark. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, et cetera, et cetera. Um, new callers, by the way, if you would like to call in uh, for whatever reason, go to the front of the line. We're going to continue on with... Um, Going with the new calls, trying to rip through all of those just so we can try to stay up on things in terms of not covering stuff from two weeks ago, but instead, you know, talking about the draft and whatnot. Let's get started with Blake. So, Brian, this is Blake's dad. Blake's dad, um, my I'm a little more calm down now. My call the other day. Um, I like the weapons they got love. I can, I can get over the Van Ness thing. I just got to get over the fact of skipping JSN, but love the, love the weapons they got them. Later. Yeah, that's that's just another one of those things, man. I, there's nothing I can say. Um, it, I don't want to say it annoys me because you know everybody did their own evaluations, came to their own conclusions. But you know the the Jalen Hyatt JSN thing. I I just I'm not on the same page because I wasn't as big on it. Um, no, I wasn't big on on uh, Lucas Van Ness either. But I at least got to the point where I could see it and be like, all right, yeah, I can see this guy being a freak. But um, I wanted to like JSN a lot, wanted to like Hyatt, really wanted to like Hyatt, but I just, I just couldn't get there. And that's why I was saying even, you know, the first round, I just don't like the first round because there's really nothing. I think Broderick Jones or something was, was the, my favorite pick at the time or, or possibly who the Bears got um, right would have been the other one that I really liked. Obviously went to the Bears. The Bears are, are kings of sniping all of my favorite guys. And usually they don't pan out, which is how you know I suck at this whole thing. Um, but they have a long track record of taking guys that I like in the draft. And Wright makes another one. And they did that again, too, I think. Forget who. But, you know, I, I can't um, I can't fix it if you 
were madly in love with JSN and, and thought that he was going to be this elite wide receiver, and then we didn't take him, I mean, you, you've, you're, you're going to obviously naturally get upset about that. The only thing I can do to try to get you to possibly come around is, again, the fact that JSN didn't come off the board until 20, and wide receivers are always overdrafted, which is to say, if he was even a first-round pick, he was a borderline first-round pick. And even then, again, remember, I, I, I didn't hear of any teams that said that there were even 20 first-round prospects, which is to say it's possible, not, not a guarantee, but it's entirely possible that almost nobody had JSN as a first-round pick. As crazy as that sounds. But again, as we go through and look at all these different picks, a lot of things that we thought we knew for sure turned out to not be true. Again, look how far Brian Branch fell. I'm trying to, I, I keep going back to that. I know uh, JSN and Darnell Washington and um, all these other guys, you know, and, and we always think about it as well. So-and-so got JSN for a steal. Well, it's a steal based on our preconceived notions, which turned out to be true, which means it's not a steal, right? Could have been a steal. I don't, I mean, maybe it's just some weird circumstances that led to that. And I could see that maybe at other positions, but at wide receiver, I just find that hard to believe because it's such an, it's like quarterback. Quarterbacks don't fall. In other words, you know, if they very rarely go later than where they're actually valued. Maybe quarterback isn't the best example because there's a lot of teams that just do not need quarterbacks, but you know what I mean? I mean, if, if, if they're valued somewhere, a team's going to jump up and take them. But again, I, I can't, um, I can't do any better for you than that as far as trying to make you feel better about it. That's the best I can do. But yeah, I mean, I, when you have a draft crush and they're sitting there, which happened to me constantly, you know, I mean, in the uh, first round, I had preferences. We took L- Lucas Van Ness. In the second round, I mean, you know, Darnell Washington and Cedric Tillman and a lot of these guys that I liked were there and we took uh, the one tight end. I shouldn't say the one tight end, but you know, one of those top guys that I really wasn't super big on, which was Musgrave, they took. And then we had an opportunity for a wide receiver, and there's several wide receivers I liked, and we took a guy I've never heard of. And then, you know, in the third round, there's a lot of guys I like, and we take another tight end that I didn't super like, and it's like, ugh. But the best you can do is is kind of forget our preconceived notions and kind of go back and reassess some stuff. And with some of them, like with me and Darnell Washington, I was a huge fan of, um, kind of just having to look at it and go, okay, there's there's some issues here. Um, the NFL clearly wasn't as high on those attributes. You know, I mean, he's all attributes, but you know, that and, or apparently there were some issues with him having swollen knees and there's certainly off the field stuff. So maybe that all culminated. I don't know, but just kind of coming to the place where you accept it and just say, I guess that wasn't the right thing. And, and, and again, as I said, I think, um, well, actually I already recorded tomorrow's podcast, so I already said it, but you haven't heard it yet. What I will say in the future, um, is the other thing to remember is everything that you love about that prospect, understand the Packers saw all of that. So everything that is about JSN, and I'm sure they really like JSN. You know, I mean, he wouldn't have, if he was available when the Packers are picking at two, then obviously they would have, I shouldn't say obviously, but they, they more than likely would have taken him ahead of Jaden Reed and everything else. But they saw all that stuff and then saw Lucas Van Ness and said, yeah, we're going Van Ness for sure. And there's a reason for that. And I, and I think the more interesting thing to do at this point is to dig into what those reasons are. Just my thought. So here's Omar. I I probably did this backwards, but um, I answered three of Omar's questions on tomorrow's podcast. So this, I don't know what he's about to say, but it may kind of have some, mention some things that you have no idea what he's talking about, but we'll see how it goes. Hey, what's going on? It's Omar the Pop. How y'all doing? 
Okay, so again, just went to sleep, woke up after my not even eight hours, calmed down, thought about it like positive is that they took the positions that we wanted. Yeah. We wanted them to draft some tight ends. Apparently, they got two good ones. Apparently. So that's a positive. We wanted them to draft a receiver in the second round. They drafted one. That's a positive. So we go on it that, hey, they're professionals. You know, they know more about the stuff than we do. So. One other thought that I had, just to kind of add to this, is these consensus big boards are based on generalities. Right. So first of all, it's it's usually not based on upside, which a lot of teams do draft based on. But even with that, it's based on sort of the general talent, which doesn't necessarily take into account team needs and preferences and things. So it's possible that, you know, a certain player, JSN or whatever, would have been a better pick at 13 for a different team that prioritizes X, Y and Z. Maybe. Um, But you also like the tight end in particular, like Tucker Craft. That fits the Packers' mold, maybe more so than some other teams who maybe would have taken Darnell Washington or somebody else in that spot. So that's something else to consider when we think about these big boards that we read and how it's not really tailored to the Packers, unless it's, it is a Packers-specific big board, obviously. But um, just another thought. On that note, I guess we had a good draft for the second and third round. Um, with that said, I still got... I said I was going to call about my late-round people that I like, and I'm pretty sure we're not going to draft them. But anyway, yeah, uh, I did oh, like um, Tyler Scott, and I did like A.T. Perry. No, That's no. a big wide receiver. Yeah, A.T. Perry is going to be disappointed. I didn't care for A.T. Perry, I don't think, but I know like uh, Jake on the stream was – really banging the table for him and to watch him fall so many times and every time we don't take him, that probably is going to be a pretty big disappointment for you. T. Perry, so we might still get him. I'm sure it's almost sounds stupid because we're not getting any people <laughs> on draft him. Like I said, I do like Tyler Scott, a little speed guy. Charlie Jones, like my little Wes Walker guy. He's fast as well from Purdue. And I also like uh, the guy from Princeton. I don't even know how to say his name. Andre Loshivas? Vasquez. I don't know how to say his name. But he's uh, he kind of reminds me like MBS a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, and even though we had a love affair for MBS, the love heat thing, you know, he kind of reminds me of him. And lastly, a lot of people probably like Xavier Hutchinson because they remind him of. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm still sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, as soon as we traded him to the, uh, as soon as he went to the Jets, I done blocked him on my daggone name. Lazard. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's supposed to be Xavier Hutchinson, but I'm like, I don't want to get him unless you get him in the seventh round or something. Um, but anyway, be positive. We, we got some weapons for love, so. I hope we do hit on the safety position now because our safety depth is kind of trash. We got like a whole bunch of question marks there, but a lot of people worry about the tackles. I like our tackles. We got pretty good tackles, I think. We drafted last year and picked up, so I feel good about that. Anyway, let's go back. Oh, defensive line, please get us some help. 
Yeah, well, we we did do that, so so we got that going. But yeah, nobody that you necessarily. Um, I am I am interested to hear sort of the reactions because there were a lot of guys that we got that weren't on my list that I'm still excited about. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how the uh, reactions to the day three come about. Oh, Ryan, I am I am unhappy. I am unhappy with this draft. And I, I'll explain why. Um, and I think it's kind of where a lot of people are at. I can appreciate that we want to take the high upside guys, draft and develop. What I don't like about that is we do it every single year. And well, to be fair, that's kind of the point, right? So every year you take the guys that are going to hit really high in two years, which means every year you drafted somebody that was going to do that two years ago. So if you do it right, every year you get these really, really talented people as opposed to guys that are going to hit this year and kind of just flame out or whatever. So, I mean, it, it does have to take some consistent hits, but that's kind of the idea behind it is you, you have to do it every year for it to kind of, well, I guess you don't have to, but that's that would be the way to do it that it would make the most sense. The problem is that it takes a couple of years for us to develop these guys. So by the time that they start to flash and actually show their talent, it's already just about time to fucking pay them. And then it hits our salary cap, and we don't get the good guys on the cheap contracts. And then we're just we're stuck either paying them or letting them walk. And then they- well, first of all, let me go back and bleep that so I don't have to spend 10 minutes trying to find it. But yeah, that, that is a fairly decent point. I, I think, I don't know, man, there's a lot that you'd have to look into. For, first of all, you know, for the Packers with the whole draft and develop thing, I don't think it's entirely true that there are a lot of people that get drafted that do impact immediately, you know? And for example, one of the guys that did have a high impact last year was Christian Watson, who was supposed to be a developmental guy. One of the guys that I thought would have a high impact immediately was Devontae Wyatt, who it turns out looks like he's going to be more of a developmental guy, despite the fact that he's talent through the roof and went to a really big program like Georgia, where he should have been able to slot in and be able to do stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know who's going to be able to hit immediately and who's not. But generally speaking, regardless of who they are, with, with, with very few exceptions, guys are going to take a couple years to, to fully get to where they are. But um, I do get what you're saying just based on the... I, I guess you get, uh, if we're talking about a person being elite year one as opposed to a elite year three, then we're talking about two extra years of elite without the high contract. But I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't worry as much about that just because you're going to be loaded with guys that are talented and pay them a bunch of money for the vast majority of their career, hopefully. So, I mean, I, I definitely think it's worth looking into what you're saying because there's just kind of a lot floating in my head. There's a lot of variables that I haven't really parsed through in terms of the value of really talented players on their rookie contracts and then how that plays into things, but also what are the odds that they're actually going to hit on the... So, for example, Lucas Van Ness versus Will McDonald, the guy that got taken two picks later. Theoretically, Will McDonald is probably a better pure pass rusher and could potentially be a better pass rusher year one than Lucas Van Ness, but Lucas Van Ness will eventually pass him. So let's just pretend that that's the case. That means you get two years of Will McDonald being better than Lucas Van Ness, and then maybe eight years of Lucas Van Ness being better than Will McDonald before they both flame out of the NFL. Roughly. I'm making these numbers up. Would you rather have Will McDonald or Lucas Van Ness? That would be one way that I would look at it. Because granted, you, you, you do get two cheaper years of Will McDonald, 
but you're still getting 10 years of both and you're both spending a bunch for both and you're you're obviously going to get some production from Lucas Van Ness and you're obviously not going to be at full production from Will McDonald. So there's going to be some growth from Will McDonald. You know what I mean? So I, I guess I get what you're saying to some degree, but I wouldn't personally change it just because, well, they're cheap. Let's just maximize them. You know, because they're not disposable. That's the thing. If, if this was all just disposable, like you draft guys and then they flame out after four years, then yeah, you need to get guys that, that are in here immediately. But if this is a, you know, call it a 10-year investment, I'm more concerned about the the value over the total time that they're here. Understanding that the contract is going to be the same either way, right? The amount of money, let's just say Lucas Van Ness and Will McDonald are the exact same. They get the exact same contract and all that stuff. At the end of the 10 years, you've paid them both the exact same amount of money. But Lucas Van Ness has given you more value. There were just two years where Will McDonald was a better value when you weren't paying very much but he was playing better than Van Ness, right? So, I don't know. Again, I, I got to kind of flesh that out. I see what you're saying. I got to think about it a little bit more. But as it stands now, I, I, I do like the idea of where we're, how we're doing things now because players are not disposable. And I'm not as worried about, you know, we need to maximize all the damage immediately while they're cheap. It's like, you know, we're going to pay them either way. Uh, it's, you know... How they develop is somewhat, to me, immaterial, I guess. We'll produce for somebody else who has the cap space. Can we just, just one year, one, one... Well, and if you're implying that because we don't have any money, they got to go play somewhere else, I mean, that, that hasn't happened. So I don't, I'm not too worried about that. Like Lucas Van Ness, you know, for example, he, he's not good for two years. And then in his third year, he becomes good. So he plays for year three and year four, and then, then maybe year five because we get that fifth-year option, and then year six we can't afford him, so he goes and plays somewhere else. That's literally never happened, ever, in Green Bay Packers history, as long as I've been a Green Bay Packers fan, where we have an elite football player that needs that next contract, and we go, well, I guess we got to let him go. Despite the fact that we heard it about Jair and about Rashawn and about everybody else that we're not going to have the money to pay him, that's never happened, and it's not going to happen. In time, I want to get a guy who comes in and produces like that year, and maybe you can make an argument for Christian Watson, but I'm talking like like a first-round guy. Just one time, I want a first-round guy to come in and just like be a guy who can be every down guy. Like other teams draft these guys, and they come in and produce for them, and I'm like, why? Why can't that be us? Why can't that just like one year, one fucking year? Can we get that guy? I just, uh, I just know I, I don't love the tight ends we got. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, I'm less upset about, not thrilled. There, I, I think there were more important positions and better guys there, but I know he's probably going to end up being like a Rashawn Gary type, so I can't be too mad. But who, I don't get the wide receiver. What, what, I don't even remember his name. Um, wasn't on any board I saw, did, or projected, so. Um, hopefully he ends up being good, but I don't have high hopes there. Um, go back, go. Well, and that was, so the, as far as the wide receiver thing, that was the big thing on the stream we were doing is everybody got mad and nobody had seen him, right? <laughs> so it's, it was a little bit silly because it's like, guys, why, why, I, don't, I don't understand how you can be mad and you don't even know if the guy's any good or not. And it's, it was mostly based on, well, there's a pile of four guys that I really like and we took this guy that I haven't heard of. And it's like, well, you know, Again, it's just, it's hard to be mad about them taking somebody before we learn anything. And, and what I was surprised to learn is when I did look, a lot of people actually did really like the guy. So I was shocked at the fact that I'd never 
really watched him. And the, and the reason why is because I was going based on the consensus big board. And when you have some people that rate him high and some people who have him in like the hundreds, then the consensus is going to kind of come out way lower. But I mean, he was, he was certainly higher on a lot of people's boards. And he was also one of those guys who was flying up the boards as time was going on. I think the senior bowl was a big part of that because he just freaking dominated everybody. And, and again, you got Jim Nagy who was like, I don't know what is wrong with you people and why you're all sleeping on him because he is a freak. But yeah, again, I can't convince you to like anybody. I, I am also not super high on the tight ends, at least not right now. So all I can do is kind of shrug and go, well, I mean, hopefully I was just wrong about the tight ends. I really like Darnell Washington. I really like Sam Laporta. I really like Michael Mayer. And I wasn't, you know, of, of the guys I watched, two of the maybe three or four that I didn't like are the two that we drafted. But, you know, it's, it's again, going back to the drafting guys that produce immediately, I, I just, first of all, I don't know that that's something you would ever draft for or can draft for. To some degree, I guess you kind of can, but it's really just if you have a top 10 pick, you've got a better chance of that. I don't know if you can ever really know. You can kind of guess, you know, maybe if they, if they have some uh, experience. But again, it's, it's hard to project. Christian Watson should have taken a long time, and he didn't. Same with Romeo Dobbs. He's a fourth-round guy. You wouldn't have expected him to be able to do what he did, but he did it. You know, I mean, I, I just, I think it's just as much as it's kind of luck as in terms of who actually becomes a good player or not, it's, it's somewhat luck in terms of when they end up producing. You know, uh, Tyreek Hill, he produced, but he was a fifth-round pick. Just going through all the top wide receivers. Devontae Adams didn't really hit his stride until year one, two, three, four, five. I know he, was, he became better in like year three, but he had a 72 grade. 2017, 80 grade. It wasn't until 2018 he got up to 89, which is where he's been kind of for his career. 80, 89, 88, 92, 93, 90. He didn't hit that stride until year five, right? But, but again, that's one of those things where I think you only get upset about it now when you're in the now. Nobody ever looks at a guy like Devontae and is like, I wish we wouldn't have grabbed Devontae. It would have been so much better if we had a guy who produced in 2014. You know what I mean? Nobody would say that. So I, w- I guess I would just encourage you to try to get out of that mindset of being so obsessed with now being the most important thing as opposed to what's best for the team overall over the long haul. Because you're, listen, you and I, God willing, are going to be Packer fans for decades to come. And as much as I'm really invested in 2023, because that happens to be what's right in front of my face right now, the success of 2024, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, and on and on and on and on and on, um, the combination of all the years in the, for- in the future compared to how much, how important this year is, it, it's not even close. Which is a big part of the reason I hate all the salary cap manipulation and all that stuff, because you, you can't throw away two, three, four, five years for the sake of one year. That's just, that's idiotic. Even if it happens to be this year. I mean, I'm not trying to call you names, Nate, but it, it, what I'm describing is childishness. You know, again, it's, it's what I've mentioned before, that, that marshmallow test. You ask a kid, would you rather have one marshmallow now or, or two marshmallows later? And if the kid says one now, you're screwed. <laughs> Because that kid sucks. And that's why I refuse to ask my kids, because I don't want to know. But it's, it's just, are you willing to delay gratification long enough for better success in the future? In other words, you, you, do you want more or less? More. What if you have to wait a little bit for it? Well, then I'd rather have less. Wrong answer every single time. 
asked the robot to kind of explain the marshmallow test a little bit better. Skip a couple paragraphs. It says, the point of the marshmallow test, so to speak, is to understand more about human nature, behavior, and cognitive development. The results of the test and follow-up studies have suggested that the ability to delay gratification can be linked to outcomes later in life, such as academic success, physical health, and other measures of well-being. It ultimately tests the child's ability to delay gratification and exercise self-control. And this is, this is ultimately why I want a GM that does this, because it's important. And it's also why I think it's, it's good that we don't have an owner, because owners struggle with this marshmallow test kind of thing. They want it and they want it now. But if we want it, what we need in a robot is, or in a robot, in a GM is a freaking robot whose only question is maximizing overall value. And value does not mean 2023. It means overall from now until infinity. Throughout the course of this player's entire lifespan with our team, how can I maximize that value? And it's hard for everybody, myself included, to not immediately think of how does this impact 2023? But that's really not the question that's being asked and answered during the draft. That's also why positionally it doesn't always line up the way that we like, because they're not asking the question and answering the question, what positions do we need to fill in 2023? And, and Gutekunst and, and, and Ted Thompson and those guys, they talk about that all the time. You don't know what your future needs are going to be, so you don't draft for need. You draft best player available, and in the future, when, when disaster happens, you just so happen to have somebody ready and ready, ready, ready and ready and ready and ready and ready to rock and roll. But, you know, to give specific examples, you know, you look at, um, you know, Brian Burns versus Rashawn Gary. Brian, now we'll, we'll see how it all ends up, but the point is Brian Burns was better as a rookie. Rashawn Gary is the prospect that everybody would take right now if they had the choice between the two. I would rather not go back and change it. You know, um, if you look at 2018, the highest graded rookie in 2018 was Levi Wallace. Um, but he went on to be not very good. Uh, maybe a better, more realistic example would be Denzel Ward. Now, Denzel Ward did go number four overall, so we didn't have that opportunity even if we wanted to, but let's just pretend we did. Denzel Ward was a better rookie, but that was also the best year that he played in Cleveland of his entire career. He had a 78.9 grade. The only thing close to that was 2021, he had a 77 grade. This past year, he was at a 56.8. He was the number four pick. You know what I mean? Would we want to go back and change it from Denzel Ward to Jair? I wouldn't. So, I mean, that, that's, I guess that's the question. If you're not willing to trade now, why not? Would you trade Jair for Denzel Ward so that, you know, five years ago could have been a better rookie experience? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I, I'm just, I guess it's just a thought experiment. If, if you would, then stay on that path, I guess. If not, then probably rethink your thought process. Hey, Ryan, it's Seth. Hey, Seth. Uh, just calling in and talk about the draft. Good. Um, Lucas went out at first. I was like, I feel like we may be a little high. And of course, like everyone else, I wanted some awesome offensive weapon, but yeah. Watching his highlights and looking at his RAS and his draft scores and all that, I'm thinking that he could be a great pickup, and I think he can contribute to one. Um, hopefully, we don't have a bunch of haters that are like, oh, he only had eight sacks here one, but if I could get an eight sack or so rookie season from him, I'd be thrilled. And I do think he has huge upside. Um, I mean... They also say he works really hard. So, yeah, I mean, with huge. him and Rashawn both working that hard and then yep. pushing each other, I think, you know, looking at like 2024, 2025, we could have one of the best edge rushing duos in the league. Oh, yeah. Um, also, it's a great way to um, 
slowly replace Preston because he's not going to be with us too much longer, I don't think. Right. Um, and then uh, day two, I, um, I'm i okay with Musgrove and Kraft. I, I, I did like I, – I love Darnell Washington, but he dropped, so maybe there are some character concerns there that other teams had as well. And he went right. to the Steelers, and let's be honest, they could give a, give a crap less about uh, character. Um, so – I think I'm pretty happy with the tight ends we got. Um, I think it'd be a good duo. It'd be interesting to see if they get playing time right away or if LaFleur and staff try to force Tyler Davis in there. I am, uh, maybe I'll be wrong about Tyler Davis, but I'm kind of hoping he's number four in the depth chart. Um, but I'm excited about those guys. And then Jaden Reed, I think like everyone was like, who? Who the heck is this guy? Yep. Um, really wanted Mingo. Of course, he went earlier. And then I actually was pretty high on Jalen Hyatt. Um, but after watching um, some of Reed's highlights, especially his senior bowl, which the Packers love, yep. that dude is, I think he's going to be a route running technician. And I think he's got kind of sneaky speed, maybe more quickness that doesn't show up on the 40, you know, like that twitchiness. Um, so we'll see. I'm not super high on him, but. Um, the Packers know how to draw second round wide receivers, and they've done it before where people don't think it's a good pick, and it turns out well. So I don't know, I'm trying to be positive over here, and uh, I think I'm high on everyone except for I'm a little unsure about uh, Jaden Reed, but I think he's got uh, I think he's got a chance to be good. So, and uh, also we're not asking him to be a number one or two receiver, right? We're hoping he's our number three or slot guy at least next year. Maybe he grows into a bigger role, but I think that's important to remember as well. All right, back to Eddie. Talk to you later. Yeah, I think um, I think the Packers actually have really high expectations for Jaden Reed. It, it's funny because I think Jaden Reed is kind of what we wanted a lot of these other guys to be. You know, I mean, in 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 reality, we like JSN because he's a really good route runner and all that stuff. Like you said, a route running technician. I think that's what Jaden Reed is. I really like Zay Flowers, but he's undersized. Jaden Reed is bigger. Like you know, we 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 talk about Jaden Reed like he's five foot seven 172 he's certainly smaller than what the Packers generally like but he's a shade under six feet 190 you know what I mean if he was an inch taller and three in- and three pounds heavier nobody'd really be saying that much about him because six foot 190 doesn't sound that bad but when it's 511 sub six foot and 180s you know you see five foot and you see 180 and it's like oh my goodness it's like dude he's basically six foot 190 which still isn't huge but he's he's not one of these massively tiny guys, you know? I mean, Amon Ra is 6'1", 195. Tyreek Hill is 5'10", 190. Stephon Diggs is 6'1", 190. Garrett Wilson, who was drafted last year at pick 10, is 6'1", 190. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we, we keep acting like he's this miniature wide receiver. He's, and, and by the way, every wide receiver I just listed off, they're all top 10 wide receivers. So he is that Jackson Smith and Jigba that Zay, and I also think, to be honest, I mean, he really is, I'm, I'm not trying to overhype him, but when you're, you're talking the route running of Zay, but not as small, and the speed of Jalen Hyatt, but also not as small, I really think he comes in and is that sort of, I know nobody wants to say X because he's quote-unquote too small, and size, size is, is relatively an issue from the standpoint of, you know, if you get like a six foot two, 210 pound corner that's jamming you up or whatever, he might struggle with that a little bit or something, I don't know, but again, he's basically the same size as Garrett Wilson, so if he can do it, I'm not too worried about it, but that that sort of just route running technician type, I think he's an 
massively upgraded Romeo Dobbs. And I don't mean that to be insulting to Romeo Dobbs, but I think he's got better hands. I think he's a better route runner. I think he's got more speed. So I don't know that in some sense he doesn't come in as the number one. Because Christian Watson's going to be your big play guy. Who's going to be your more consistent catching the ball, boom, 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 over and over again? I think it's Jaden Reed. Now, And again, that isn't to say this won't take time to develop. I'm not talking necessarily week one, but I think down the line, the Packers genuinely see him as like that Garrett Wilson type of guy, that Amon Ross St. Brown type of guy, just maybe with more speed. I mean, we could take it out to the top 20. Jalen Waddell is 5'10", 180. Chris Olave is 6'1", but he's 189. Call him 190. Devontae Smith, really good wide receiver for the Eagles. He's six foot one seventy. Ayuk is six foot two hundred. You know, I mean, it's. I think we we're, we're overstating how small Jaden Reed is. And actually, he did weigh in at his pro day at one ninety one. So he's five eleven one ninety one. But yeah, here here is the list I put together for the Twitters. It says uh, he's he's bigger than Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Tyler Lockett, Jahan Dotson. He's similar in size to Stephon Diggs, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Curtis Samuel, Justin Jefferson, Amon Ra, and Jerry Judy. The last three are 6'1", so it's, we're talking about an inch and a half to two inches difference. So that's, it's not insignificant. But at the same time, you're talking about a 6'1", 190-pound, 195-pound guy. Same weight, couple inches. I mean, to, to, to look at one as a premier receiver, right? Justin Jefferson may be the best in football, but I have to look at Jaden Reed as this tiny slot guy. No, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. The other interesting thing is, look how young this group is. There seems to be maybe a resurgence of tinier guys. I mean, Tyreek Hill's been around, but Waddle's a young guy. Devontae's a young guy. Lockett's an older guy. Jahan is, was a rookie. Diggs, kind of a little bit older. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Justin Jefferson, Amon Ra, Jerry, eh, Jerry-ish. But, I mean, you look at the guys that are in their 30s. I mean, is anybody? I mean, Tyler Lockett is probably, probably 30, maybe. Is Tyler Lockett 30? He's exactly 30. So I think he's the only one on the list that's 30. But, you know, the, most of these 30-year-old guys that are dominant, I mean, they're, you know, Devontae, they're, they're 6'1", 6'2", 210-ish, you know. Very rarely do you see the, the 6'190". You know, you're, you're not sub-200, and you're probably at least 6'1". You don't have to be a 6'4", 220 monster, but there just was kind of a type, and it seems like that type is sort of changing. The fact that this entire list is made up of almost entirely top 10, top 20 players and I think they're all sub-200. They're all in the 190s to 180s to, in some cases, 170s. So that isn't to say he has to be this good, but it is to say to discount him based on his size at, again, roughly 6'190s, 5'11", 191, I guess, I think would be a disservice to his upside and potential. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break here, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, would love it if you'd go check them out at FertileGroundRanch.org, see if that is an organization that you'd be willing to support. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Yes, I was hoping to get the medium and show the... Oh, wait. Wrong call. <laughs> Hey guys. Hey Tom. Join the draft? Yeah, me too. This is Lane. I'm a fan general manager from uh, northern Arizona in exile, but that's okay. So here we are. Pick 175 in the round five. Just went in. So we're a couple picks away from Green Bay's 179. Trying to see where we're going. We've got to do a running back, right? Where is our running back pick? We can do that. It's coming. You got to wait a little bit. And then with 207, hey, as long as we're guessing, kicker. Ah, you nailed it. Give me a kicker. You nailed it. Somebody who can pound that through the back of the end zone in December. Yep. Well Um, done. On the kickoffs, and good luck finding that person anyways, right? Anyway, it'll probably be an offensive lineman, but... Round seven, special teams, right? Yep. Let's see what happens. Probably got hey, a thanks couple. for the opportunity to call in. Sure, man. Kind of enjoyable. Yep. Though I wish you did have pizza. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so do I. Um, I got to get a, a, I think I've got like one more dough. I made a, a pork butt, so that's what I've been like eating. Day. It's the only bad thing about a pork butt, as much as I shouldn't be whining about it. It's like, it's what you eat all the time, you know? Because I'm not going to force my kids to eat it breakfast, lunch, and dinner, plus don't touch my stuff. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, wake up, you know, do your thing, and uh, what do you want for breakfast? You want some uh, want some pork? Yeah, sounds good. You want anybody with lunch? You want a pork sandwich? Yeah, it sounds good. Dinner? Probably do some uh, pork tacos, you know, so... But yeah, I got to get a pizza rock, and I got ribs out there. I got chicken. I got all kinds of stuff I need to do. But again, that's the one drawback of a pork butt is like everything gets put on the back burner until you finish all of that meat, and there's a lot of it. Oh, that didn't work. Try that again. Hey, Ryan. Might already have the answer to this by the time you get around to it. But uh, we got, I think, like four picks left in the draft. Okay. We just t- drafted a kicker. Yep. Um, so there's the nail in the coffin for Crosby coming back if we didn't already know. But uh, that's not why I'm calling um, I was calling because we have yet to address safety. Uh, I'm not mad about it or anything. It just hasn't been done. Right. Um, so I'm just wondering, if I'm fairly certain Amos is still a free agent, or if this is paving the way for us to bring him back because 
I mean, we're, we we need safety help. If you ask me. So, kind of curious what your thoughts are. Um, and my understanding is we have you know our dead cap hit really isn't bad if you remove Rogers, like ten or eleven million other than Rogers, and eight million of that is extra Adrian Amos. If we were to bring him back, I think it's too late to for it to help the cap. If I'm not mistaken, like the dead cap hit is what it is. But um, even if so, that's not his fault. Like we can't. We can't say, hey, oh, $8 million dead cap hit, and then we pay him $4 million, or we're paying Adrian Amos $12 million. That's just not the fact. If we find a different safety for $4 million, we're not going to say we're paying them $12 million because of the Amos deal. So it's not his fault the way the factor structured it. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's not him. Obviously, we're going to get somebody, I think. Maybe we'll still draft somebody, but let me know what you think. Go pick him. Yeah, I, um, I do assume that, as I've said a few times now, but um... – I do assume we're getting on the phone trying to get some safeties in here. That that is my expectation, but I don't know. Um, let me see what it says our salary cap is now. I don't know if they're projecting out our our players yet. So this is actually quite a bit better than I expected. But um, Spot Track has them at twelve point seven ish million. Um, over the cap has them at about twelve million. Uh, and I can see for sure over the cap has accounted for the rookies. The rookies, I don't know why I just choked on my own throat there. And yeah, the Adrian Amos thing is uh, interesting. But you're right, because um, that, that dead cap, it doesn't. So we, we'd kind of be paying for him twice, um, which would be painful. But it, it, it doesn't really, it shouldn't really factor in necessarily. I mean, you look at it and say, you don't want to have to pay $8 million in dead cap hit for a guy that's on your roster on top of the amount of money. You know, if you gave him, let's say, a one-year $5 million deal, it's like, good Lord, we're spending... $13 million for Adrian Amos right now. But that doesn't, again, it shouldn't really matter because you're paying the $8 million no matter what. If you go get a different safety, why does that change things? Because it's a different name on the back of his jersey? The bad decision to allow an $8 million dead cap hit for Adrian Amos in uh, 2023 doesn't change because, you know, you do or don't bring Adrian Amos back or whatever. So yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but it, it does look like we've got some space to play with, I guess. We've got roughly $12 million. Um, it's not a massive amount of wiggle room, but it's not terrible. Well, the draft is over, and I would say last year I got three picks correct. This year, I only got one correct, That's pretty and good. we had a lot more picks than we did last year. Who'd you get right? So a lot of swing and misses, but I hope the Packers actually hit some home runs with the swings that they took. Uh, we will surely wait and see uh, patiently. Looking forward to hearing uh, what every faithful Packer fan has to say about this. Uh, comes to uh, Packernet After Dark and see what their opinions are. But mine are mixed, but I am optimistic. So I will remain optimistic until Ryan says otherwise. <laughs> no, just kidding. I will remain optimistic until proven uh, that I'm wrong uh, with their results on the field. So go back, go. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. Um, was upset with the, you know, the lack of picking any of the guys that I liked and picking several that I wasn't too high on and. Super upset that I didn't even get a chance to watch some of these guys, especially since I'm there's I'm positive if I saw Jaden Reed, he at least would have been on my like list. He had to have been, unless I just watched a game that was horrible or something. 
I'm also upset that I didn't because because on that list there were a couple that I listened to. It's like yeah, I kind of like them, but it, yeah. If it's kind of eh, I just left it. Doesn't mean everybody was bad. It was just some of them were kind of eh as opposed to like. And I feel like I could have been a little bit more. I should have been a little bit more um, willing to expand my list just so that I had a couple hits. You know, would have made me feel better. But I didn't really think about it. Hey Ryan, this is Aaron. Uh, Hi. Also, uh, I was too old for this on the YouTube chat for most of the time, um, which was a whole lot of fun. Uh, so Appreciate you being there, man. Putting on the draft stream because it was probably the best draft stream I've actually nice seen. Thanks, That's man. why I kept coming back to you <laughs> and that was the best one. Anyways, um I don't think I've ever had a draft that I've been this excited about from top to bottom. Like every pick is just makes me so happy and hearing all of them talk afterwards and knowing the opportunities that they have to come in and show everything that they have um, and how much Tucker Craft is going to bless Green Bay with his presence <laughs> is just I know that Green Bay is better because of it and because we have him and so I just want to call because it's like this Doody was getting a lot of hate before this and even after the first round a lot of people are hating him but now those same people that were, like, freaking out about him and the picks that we made, they're just like, oh, you know, that was a really good draft. I'm very happy with this draft. And that seems to be a annual thing where everyone freaks out that we didn't draft a receiver in the first round. And then eventually they're like, okay, this is pretty good. And then they completely forget that they liked the draft. Uh, and then all they remember is that we drafted Jordan Love and – uh, that Goody is a terrible GM. And it's just like, no. Goody has been a great GM, and this draft is beautiful. Like, not just having 13 bit picks, but having 13 picks that we, that, I could, that all fans can actually be excited about. We got the receivers. We got the tight ends. We got a safety. That seems like he's going to be pretty good. And we got defensive players, and I don't know how you can come out of this draft not being excited for the future. Anyways, I can't wait to get my Tom Lofton t-shirt. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye. Can't wait for that either. I hope you send in a picture of that or put it on social media or something. But, um, yeah, it is cool. I mean, I'm, I just saw Dane Brugler dropped his um, rankings of the drafts. He had the Packers sixth. Um which, you know, you look at it and you really hope, oh, man, I hope it's going to be the the top one. And then you keep scrolling and scrolling. And, oh, man, the Bears are one spot ahead of us. But, I mean, you look at it, the 49ers, right, praised constantly nonstop. They were 32nd for their draft. Now, it's tough when your first pick is in the third round, but um, whose fault is that? And the only reason you even had as many picks as you did is because of that minority hiring rule. So you didn't even do anything to get the picks. You just lost a bunch of picks. and got some back because, you know, the color of the coach's skins that left and went to other teams. So I guess congrats. Vikings were 31st. Jets with their brilliant GM, 29th. Again, we'll see how it pans out, but, you know, Rams, 28th. Chiefs, 27th. 
Baltimore Ravens, 22nd. I mean, these are organizations that are seen as top organizations, really put together well, uh, good drafting organizations, all that stuff. Where are they at? How about the New England Patriots at 16th? When was the last time that they were seen as having a good draft? Even with Christian Gonzalez falling to him at 17 and having about 700 picks, Dane still put him at 16th. Buffalo Bills, who everybody's favorite uh, organization, 8th. Steelers, storied franchise with a, a really well-known, re- renowned front office, 7th. So, yeah, I mean, the Packers are in fantastic company, sitting here as the 6th best. And to be honest, I'm, I'm skeptical of the Philadelphia Eagles draft. I, I don't necessarily dislike it, but I'm skeptical of Jalen Carter. I understand everyone's freaking out because they got three Georgia guys and they're elite athletes and all that, but... Jalen Carter is not as good as he was billed to be. He's got massive off-the-field issues. Nolan Smith is an undersized edge rusher. Keely Ringo fell to the fourth round for a reason. Then they got Tanner McKee, who obviously serves ultimately no purpose other than to be the backup, similar to what the Packers got. And then you got uh, Tyler Steen, who is whatever. Sidney Brown, who I loved, and Mora Ojomo, who I really like. But the two guys that I like that they got have nothing to do with why <laughs> they're getting praised to the hilt, and that's the three Georgia guys, and that's what I'm most skeptical about. But I guess we'll see. Obviously, the the ceiling is sky high for Georgia guys. I mean, that's the reason the Packers draft Georgia guys, too, because Nolan Smith is a freak, and Jalen Carter is a freak, and Keely Keely Ringo is a freak, but we'll see if they can put it together on the field. Colts are number two, but they got Anthony Richardson with their first pick, so they don't even have a quarterback. (laughs) He is going to be fun to watch, though, man. Even even if the guy can't throw, that's going to be a fun guy to keep an eye on. But I haven't really had a chance to look through these drafts. I... I, I semi-like the Eagles draft for sure. I guess I should, probably shouldn't do this now, but I'm just kind of looking at it. Um, Texans got my man Tank Dell, but that's about it. Seahawks did get Devin Witherspoon. They got Jigba. I'm surprised this isn't one of the top. And Derek Hall I like. Um, I think that's about Oh, they got Kenny McIntosh, who's fine. So the first three picks I really liked. I mean, I again, I wasn't super high on Jackson Smith and Jigba, but if you're telling me pick 20, I think it kind of tapered a little bit. Uh, Chicago Bears, I like Darnell Wright. Um... And Rashawn Johnson in the fourth, I like. I think that was another one they sniped. I think that's about it. Javon Dexter in the second, and Tyreek Stevenson, I don't think I liked. Anyways, I'll go through this later. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're getting love, which is nice. And it's, again, it, it is obnoxious that the instant reaction is to, to crucify the Packers. It's like, they're, they're the one organization that, you, f- you know, you're guilty until proven innocent. It's the same with Jordan Love. He's the only guy... That's garbage until proven otherwise. All the other guys, they're great until they can prove something, until they prove that they're not. I mean, again, even Anthony Richardson, everyone kind of knows that he has some serious issues and is going to take some time, but nobody's going to say that the Colts are garbage and they're never going anywhere with that guy and he's a bust and it's, nobody's going to say that. I mean, some people will say that, but none of the national commentators are going to say that. That was a wasted pick. Not even a first round value. He's never going to be a quarter. Like, that's not what anybody's going to say. Yo, Ryan! Yo! Uncle Rico in the house! Howdy doody. Hey, bro. Hey, Packer fans. Hey, hey. What's up? I just uh, kind of went over the whole list of all our draft picks. Love it. Like it all. I mean, I don't don't know, you know, clearly I'm not a scout, so I have no reason to uh, get super jacked or super bummed about any of them. I mean, clearly, we see it every year, all the time. Uh, some guys are all hyped up, and then they turn out to be turds. Yeah. Some guys are, like, come out of nowhere. So what's not to get excited about all of them, you know? I mean, they could be all, they could all be all pros, or they could all be turds. But, like, like why not get jacked about it? 
Right, exactly. This is why we're football fans. This is why we're Packer fans. Let's get jacked. Woo! Rico out. Love you all, Packer fans. Love you, Ryan. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, man. And I, I, I don't know what else there is to do at this time other than to get excited. I, I mean, it's a bit of a process. And there are certain people that I just may never be able to come around to other than to say, we'll see. Um, but, I mean, you really do just have a choice as to how you choose to proceed because we all know that none of us know. So now what do you do? You can say, I don't know, so I'm just not going to engage and we'll just sit back and, and not do anything. Or we can say, I don't know, but I'm going to choose to be excited. Or we can say, I don't know, but I'm going to choose to be pissed. So, you know, again, fan how you want a fan, but... Um, I just think it's more fun if we as Packer fans get together and just try to hype things up. That's not to say pretend, but try. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to keep trying. I know some people are excited. No matter who it is, somebody out there loved them. Go find out why. If you can't see it, then I guess you can't see it. And it's just kind of a, well, we'll see. But, you know, go, go find those highlights. Go figure out what it is and, and figure out what that upside is. And, and we'll see. I mean, granted, most of these guys are going to suck, and that's true for every single team. I shouldn't say suck, but, you know, if uh, odds are one, maybe two are, are high-quality starters for us, but you don't know which one or two, and you don't know that it isn't five. So just go have fun with it. This is supposed to be fun, you know? That's the whole point of this, is to be fun. Now, you can't really enjoy the Packers getting the crap kicked out of them on Sunday, you know, when you're watching it, but there's no game today. You know, it's like it's like the week prior. You can sit there and go, we're going to lose. Or you can get excited about the game for whatever reason. Either we're going to win or I can't wait to watch the Packers. or what. It's up to you. There's no game. There's nothing happening right now. There's, it's impossible for the Packers to lose today. So you get to just invent whatever wins you want. So go invent a win. Yo, Ryan, it's Rico. I forgot. I, I was so jacked. I was so jacked. I forgot yeah. something. So I'm so tired. I shouldn't even whine about it because it'll never stop. But people whining about uh, Jordan Love, you know, maybe he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. You know, I mean, that's a, kind of a tall order. But is he going to be good enough? Is he going to be great? Is he, maybe. I think he's going to be good, more than good enough, I think. But that's just me. What do I know, right? What's the point of really trying to predict something we don't know about? The... um the thing of it is, I, people don't want to give them a chance. You know, I mean, it's hard to get past. We've been so lucky in Green Bay. Favre, Rogers, Don Mikowski, back of all time. The guy that made me a Packer fan, love Don Mikowski, magic man. Love him. Anyway, point is, I love Jordan Love. You know, they're like, oh, he didn't play good in this game, in that game. You know, he hasn't played many games, but... Like, that's some kind of baseline because we threw him in there and he, he, he did okay. I mean, he didn't do terrible in either of the games he played in. He did he did okay. Good enough to win if we'd done everything else right or or not even everything. If we'd done a few more things right in those games, not Jordan Love-related things, defense-related things, special teams-related things, you know, maybe not even offensive-related things, just other things. We'd won those games with Jordan Love at the helm. And then would people still be whining about how he's not the guy? Did anybody remember last year's season opener with Aaron Rodgers, uh, general manager, coach, uh, you know, 
personnel guru, Aaron Rodgers, that guy at the helm. Last year's opener, terrible. The year before, even more terrible, like the worst game anybody has ever played of football. You know, the 2021 season opener against the Saints, right? Was that it? Where he played like, ugh, let's not think about it. Anyway, give the dude a chance. That's all I got to say. Everybody knows it. Pull head out, play football. Let's do it. Woo! Rico out. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we just said about the draft. You can apply to Jordan Love. Um, I, I don't know. For everybody that I've conversed with that has been a, that is a Packer fan that's negative about Jordan Love, it's never been for any reason that's even really remotely rational. There isn't enough weight, positive or negative, to say definitively that we know how things are going to turn out. Nobody has that information. Nobody knows. So it's entirely up to you. Now, some people will pretend, oh, no, no, no. You can tell because of how he played in college freaking five years ago. Like, I mean, come on, guys. Or, or do you remember, like, when we first got him during COVID and he was not, didn't look good? Uh, uh. I mean, you are trying as hard as you possibly can to try to make it seem like we know he's going to be bad because you want him to be bad, and there's no other reason why you would be doing the things that you're doing. Hey, Ryan, Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, I'm, I'm a little stressed out about this draft, and, and don't get me wrong. I am about 98% happy. Okay. Um, I, I got to give props to Goody Kunst. He, he made a lot of decisions that I wouldn't have made, but going back and looking at them now, there's a lot of really – Really, <laughs> I mean, he 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 knocked this draft out of the park for everything that we needed. He, he knocked this out, and I, I know that we're looking at things a little bit differently than he is, and we we just got to trust him. Um, the the two things, uh, the Luke Musgrave pick, I like him. He looks like he can get open. He looks like he can block. The only thing that I don't like is he looks like he goes down easy after contact. Yeah, very much but so. I, I think getting a guy like Tucker Kraft over there uh, with him, they might get some competition between two, you know, and uh, maybe Musgrave learns how to break a tackle or two and learns how to lower his shoulder and actually pick up yards because um, I, I think that would be awesome. Um, and Jaden Reed and, and Dontavian Wicks, I mean. I'll, I'll just stop there for a second because I – from the little bit I've seen, again, I, I just there's three YouTube videos you can go find. Just type in um, Lucas Musgrave verse VS, and you'll see three games that'll pop up. Two from this past year, which he only played two, and then one from last year, which I think is Oregon. Um, but I watched those three games of him, and again, the one thing that stood out that I wanted to check was his speed, because I didn't notice it at first. I was just kind of, you know, whatever. But you can see it, right? Right off the line, try to compare him to watch the defenders that are trying to cover him. Watch the other wide receivers as they're running down the field and kind of see, are they pulling away from him? Is he pulling away from them? Those, you know, Try to use those kinds of markers, I guess, to, to gauge the speed. I thought the, the hands look fine as far as his ability to catch, but you're right. I mean, for a guy that's as big as he is, he goes down real easy. I think Jaden Reed is harder to bring down than Lucas Musgrave. It's kind of shocking. Because you got these smaller guys, and it's like they barely have to touch him, and he just goes down. So he's got to work on getting that up a little bit. I mean, not that it he necessarily needs to be a uh, after-the-catch guy. The other thing that was weird is it seemed to me, and I could just be way off on this, but it seemed to me like if he's running in a straight line, you can see the speed. 
But as soon as he catches the ball, it, I don't see, I don't know if it's like build up speed perhaps. So as he, if he has to slow down and catch it and then try to build back up, but it, it, I don't see him running away from people necessarily. Now, if he catches the ball in stride and runs, perhaps he could. But if he has to start or stop and then start again, I feel like people catch him pretty easily. And then again, he just goes down. So um, yeah, th- those would be similar critiques that I had as well in terms of just being shocked. I mean, you just don't usually see guys that big go down that easily. It's kind of weird. That, those are those are awesome pieces. I mean, we've got we've got at least three wide receivers on this team. I believe we've got enough, you know, offensive yeah. firepower yeah. for Jordan Love. I believe, you know, what Matt Lafleur said. We believe in this offensive line. I I, I think that's the right call. Uh, I know we got some backup pieces that are great. So uh, I I think what I'm really needing you to do is you you gotta sell me on Musgrave. You gotta sell me on Musgrave. I'm, I'm having a hard time sure. being super enthusiastic about him. Um, and I, here's, here's my thought. I mean, can you go back and tell me how many of these guys do we actually have serious tape on? Um, right. to me, it feels like Kraft is the same way. Messed up. It feels like we got the injury Olympics. <laughs> uh, you know, all the guys who got injured and look amazing. Before right. they got injured, but right. now they're injured. Or it's just weird. It's just weird. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, Wicks, you have to go back to 2021. The running back you get, we got, you got to kind of go check out 2021. Um, Musgrave and, and and Kraft, there's basically no tape on the guys. Um, it it is very weird how much digging you have to do to find stuff on these guys, but. Um, well, I'll let you finish, and then we'll talk about Musgrave. Obviously, the Packers know more than we do, but that's that's odd. I don't think I've ever remember, you know, looking at a draft and being like, I honestly don't know much about all these prospects because we don't have a lot of film on them. Goodkins know something that we don't. Um, you know, at least I think with Tucker Craft, we'll we'll you know rid the third round jinx. Um, but I know we definitely filled out this roster. Anyway, let me get your thoughts. Go pack, go. <laughs> yeah. So again, I'm still not sold on Musgrave, but l- let me just put it this way. And I know speed isn't everything, but I legitimately believe, and I, I kind of said that this was the revelation for me with Christian Watson when I realized how fast he was. When I was doing some digging around, and I saw some random person on Twitter say that he he had a GPS where he was tracked at over 23 miles per hour. And immediately, having looked at you know some of the GPS stuff in the NFL, I knew that's a rare, rare thing. Maybe like once a year or something. So it, then it clicked. Like, this guy could legitimately be the fastest guy in the NFL. Now, we didn't see that a ton. And e- even like Tyreek Hill, he hasn't even cracked that in a while. It's, it's like once every two years kind of a thing. But, I mean, he has that level of game-breaking speed. It's not just he happens to be fast. It's not MVS, like 2021-ish 20, miles an hour, whatever kind of thing. It's like, this is legit. And we saw it immediately, right? I remember that after that first game, it's like he just ran past everyone constantly. And then with Lucas Musgrave, it was when I heard that he ran 20 miles an hour, which the funny thing is, and again, I, got, I, got, I should just look this up because I keep referencing it and I don't know what I'm talking about. But somebody made some kind of a thing as if everybody knows it and I've just never heard about it. But it has something to do with, if you look at their 40 time minus their 10 yard split, it'll give you some kind of a gauge of how fast they actually run in terms of miles per hour. And if you notice, the Packers got a lot of guys with really fast 10-yard splits, meaning their game speed is probably higher than you would expect based on just their 40 time. When I heard Lucas Musgrave ran 20 miles an hour, that set off all the alarm bells. Like, 
in my mind, tight ends don't run 20 miles an hour. That's a fast wide receiver. So I actually went back during the stream and I went through, uh, what is it, NFL something or another, their, their advanced stats thing. And you can't look for the season and you can't sort by position, but I just went week by week and I looked at all the top ones and, and um, only about half of the guys in a given week are 20 miles an hour and up. Not one time, at least last year, I only went back one year, not one time at any point did a tight end crack 20. There were only two tight end, one tight end that reached 19, and then there was another guy who reached uh, 18. If Musgrave legitimately can hit 20 miles an hour, he's the fastest wide receiver, or a tight end, who has wide receiver speed. I mean, legitimate, not just any old wide, like fast wide receiver speed. And so when you've got that going up the, the seam, and, and here's what I would tell you to do, because this is what I started doing, and I have PFF, and, and you probably don't, but you could probably pull up, um, for example, if you see him play against Oregon, go online and type in um, Oregon's roster. So then when you see the number they go up against, just check it out. It'll tell you, you know, linebacker, 6'1", 220 or something. But the whole point is, if he's going up against a linebacker, he should be faster than that linebacker. And he does. He sails past that guy. The only time he doesn't necessarily sail past people is corner or safety. But now you're talking about 5'11", 200 pounds, and now he's bigger than them. And you put the ball in the right spot, and he's just going to go up and get it. So it's one of those things where what exactly are you going to do to stop the guy? Now, that all still has to come together into being a good football player. You know, speed isn't just enough. But when you, when you combine that with what Tucker Kraft is able to bring what Josiah DeGuara brings, what Aaron Jones brings as a rusher and receiver, what A.J. Dillon brings as a rusher, as a receiver, as what Christian Watson brings with his game-breaking speed, what Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed bring in their route running, what Reed brings in his speed. You add the Musgrave speed element, and it's another one of those things where it, by just being fast, he's going to add an element to this offense that's going to stress a defense if nothing else. If nothing, That, that was the thing with, with Watson. If nothing else, and I think this is how they used him at first, they just sent him down the field to open up the field and then they had guys work underneath until they realized and rogers realized too by looking at the tape like dude he's behind that guy like i didn't even look because i wasn't supposed to he got behind the defense he was just supposed to push the safety back not get behind him so that's when it's like i gotta look that guy's way he might even be open it wasn't even a consideration that's kind of the musgrave thing you know if he can just run in a straight line let's say from in line and he's going to push those linebackers straight back and the safety straight back. That just opens up a ton of room in the middle of the field, which is where Jordan Love's going to be doing a lot more work than what you saw from, for example, Aaron Rodgers. So if you just envision for a second, if Lucas Musgrave goes shooting up the seam and Tucker Kraft, maybe from the other side, comes running a, a quick in route across the middle of the field, and Christian Watson sailing down, the, well, the safety has to drop to cover Watson. The linebacker has to drop to cover uh, Musgrave. That leaves a ton of space for Tucker Craft underneath. Now, if Watson's open, hit him. If Musgrave is open, hit him. If not, dump it off to Tucker Craft underneath. He can grab the easy five yards and then take up off, the, you know, take off up the field with Musgrave presumably blocking the guy that was covering him. So maybe he gets another ten yards and and whatever the case may be. But the the point is, you're just even by Musgrave being an undeveloped guy who doesn't maybe understand the offense fully and isn't a developed route runner and all and certainly isn't a very good blocker doesn't do much after the catch just by virtue of him being as big and fast as he is it stresses the defense to where this is this is the really frustrating thing it's why even guys like mvs are so valuable because even though i remember thinking this with trevor davis and stuff too you don't want to have to expend resources on a guy that's that bad no offense, Trevor. I miss you. You're a good dude. That was back in the day when he ran like a 4-4-2 and that was like blazing fast. Like, dude, he's 4-4-2, man. Now it's like 4-4-2. That's dumb. 
Why are you so slow, Gramps? <laughs> so stupid. But, but again, the beauty of it is that even if your, your defensive coordinator is looking at it and saying, this Musgrave kid is not a very good receiver, he's not a very good blocker, you have no choice but to expend resources and to game plan for the guy because if you don't, all he's going to do is run right behind you. You, you. you don't have a choice. And so now the Packers have gotten much larger, much younger, much faster. And um, just by virtue of that alone, they're a dangerous group. It's similar to Miami. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just speed everywhere. And you think, well, that, that's not enough. Well, it is. I mean, it, it makes it difficult for a defensive coordinator because there's a lot of things you want to do that you look at and say, I don't think we can do that. We have to, do, we have to play this kind of a way because of just to, to account for their level of speed, which then opens a lot of other things up. And so as, as, as Matt LaFleur kind of goes into these things, he can simply look at it and say, look, we're just going to do this and see if you're ready for it. And if you are, then we're going to start opening things up and start, you know, working the, you know, it, it, it's kind of like we're going to start swinging at your head. And if you put your hands up and start blocking to try to, you know, keep your ears from getting boxed in, we're going to bust your ribs. And we're just going to work those ribs over and over and over. Ribs, ribs, liver shot. And if you think for one second about dropping your hands, we're going to knock your freaking head off. That's the point. I mean, you, you can't cover everywhere. But that's where the Packers struggled last year for a while when, when the field started to feel very compressed because we couldn't push everybody back, so they just compressed the field. Everything felt like red zone. So we are going to open this field up as much as is humanly possible by just adding a massive amount of, of um, speed everywhere. And, and the beauty of Jaden Reed is that he is a speed threat. He's also a great route runner. So he becomes that guy where, you know, you put Christian Watson on the other side, right? You know you got to watch out for him getting behind you. So if you're putting a corner on Jaden Reed, unless you're going to have another safety to, to specifically protect against him, so you, you're, you're basically double, double covering two guys at that point. But if, if you're not doing that, then this corner has to make sure that Jaden Reed doesn't get behind him, which means what? He has to play off. Well, you play off against a smaller guy whose weakness is press man coverage, who's, got a, really, who's a really good route runner. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? Like there's, there's all these complicated things like, what do we do? Well, we're going to press him. Well, what if he gets behind you? Well, then we got safeties. What about Christian Watson and Lucas Musgrave? How many safeties you got back there? There's only so many guys that can cover so much ground. So anyways, in regard to Musgrave, I think that's the biggest thing with him because I certainly you can see the rawness, but I, I think if you just factor in how much strain that's going to put on defenses, just having to account for it, even if he is raw and isn't able to really you know, reach that level of potential that you hope. If he really does genuinely crack 20 miles per hour as a tight end, that's unbelievable. I mean, you, you, and I think that was at the senior bowl that he did that. You got, you got to think, I mean, when Christian Watson was, was getting clocked, and, and again, I believe he can hit 23, but there were times when he was like one of the fastest wide receivers that week, and I would report it. It was like 21. So like Watson, as the fastest guy on our team, one of the fastest of the entire week hit 21, and we have a tight end now that can hit 20. That's insane. So that's the entry point into getting excited about him, I guess. But I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a good rest of your uh, day, your night, whatever. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.